Dear Diary, it is February 2021 and racism and discrimination against people of color and minority groups still exists. No surprise there. But perhaps what's surprising is the fact it's more salient than ever before. Watching the news capture the surge of racist incidents over the past several months has got me feeling confused, infuriated, helpless, and afraid. More than 600 accounts of anti-Asian hate reported in Canada since last year. It seems oppression has not waned out like the world had hoped for. The good news is the work being done to combat isms has remained a constant, and in some communities, the work has transformed to something more rigorous. As a young Asian woman, I feel it absolutely necessary that I do my part to see through the efforts to work against racism is not done in vain. Believing and acting in support and solidarity, I believe we can put an end to the senseless acts of racism and discrimination in Canada and the world beyond. Hi everybody, welcome back to Diary of an Asian Millennial podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today we want to talk about a topic that to us is very difficult to talk about, but it is something that is urgently necessary. Um, it is especially pertinent because it affects all of us in some way or another. So like many people around the world, we have been watching the news and seeing some disturbing, shocking and rather outrageous news of senseless hate crimes towards elder Asian people. Just to refresh everybody's memory, for those who are familiar and for those who are not so familiar, perhaps these headlines can facilitate a visual of the kind of violence we are referring to and will be talking about in the body of this episode. An 89-year-old Asian woman was slapped across the face and set on fire by two youths in what police say is a random act but clear racist motive. Another Asian woman was sexually assaulted and brutally murdered by a group of teenagers. This past week, a 64-year-old grandmother was robbed of $1,000 in broad daylight. Also just last week, an Asian man was beaten and robbed of about fifteen grand. Another man was arrested for multiple assaults on Asian Americans, one of them being a 91-year-old elder. Now, all of these crimes happened within just the last several months in America. In Canada, the situation is no different. An elderly man was pushed to the ground outside a convenience store in Vancouver. In May, an elderly grandmother in Burnaby was the target of racial slurs. In Edmonton, a man threatens to behead an Asian woman for quote-unquote bringing corona into Canada. You know, these crimes has always been there because it's systemic and very much entrenched. But the fact that it is happening to such a high number of elderly Asian people is unprecedented and is something that is beyond imagination. And the issues needs to be taken seriously and addressed right away. It's this ongoing injustice that has prompted us to start this conversation. Um, of course, isn't the first time this conversation is being brought up. So it's safe to say we are adding to the conversation. Many people are already talking about it. For us, it's our first time talking about it formally and discussing it amongst one another, especially between two young Asian women in their late 20s. So the reason why we delayed our entry's publication date um, was to spend time to process everything that has happened, to gather our thoughts so that we can properly articulate and express our feelings surrounding this matter. 
it's been very upsetting watching and listening to the news and seeing videos of real people getting hurt. We've been learning and unlearning a lot to gain a better understanding of the issues and to ensure that we can put our best efforts into presenting this entry. So first and foremost, we also want to insert the disclaimer that we're not experts in this matter. We're just your regular average Asian Canadian women who want to learn and unlearn lessons, uh, as Cindy mentioned, uh, surrounding this matter. You know, we generally want to raise our awareness and become more conscientious going forward. And part of that is uh, one of our, like, one of the goals that we want coming out of this is for us to, um, I would not say start the conversations because I guess these conversations have already been had and are continuing to, um, to at least bring up the fact that, like, these are not easy conversations. These are difficult conversations to be had, but they need to be had. And um, in doing so, hopefully it'll make others also feel comfortable about speaking their truth and their thoughts on these matters. Um, it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's definitely not, you know, dinner conversation kind of material, but it's definitely a conversation that you have to have um, in order to really instill the change that we want to see. So, yes. um yeah, that's one of those. And we also want to invoke critical thinking amongst, um, you know, our listeners and to encourage more conversations around this matter because it's an ongoing thing. And um, as long as we talk about it um, and the more we raise our voices, the mm-hmm. more... Yeah, to increase like the not only awareness, but to like really like put your foot down and be like, this is what you stand for, right? And when more people are able to do that, then we can actually provoke and invoke the change that you want to see. Yeah. And part of the reason why we say this is a difficult topic for us to get into is because one, we have Asian grandparents um, and are constantly in the presence of elderly Asian folks. So like our parents or aunts or uncles, Um, extended relatives and to even fathom that one of them is being accosted and then assaulted is is just unbearable like what is so awful about these attacks on asian elders is how this generation like the asian elders that generation tends to minimize their pain and their opinions and like in order to unburden us or just like anybody in their bubble um like they just mind their own business right trying to like while trying to survive so targeting them just seems like the most cruel thing it's awful Uh, yeah it's just really awful um and we have really never in our own lives as second generation asians um witnessed let alone heard of this kind of frequency of violence against Asian people. I mean, not to sound like we, like we feel entitled or privileged, but like this stuff isn't supposed to happen to people like us. It's 2021, right? Like racism of this magnitude isn't supposed to happen to those Asian elders, like of all people. Yeah, it um, shouldn't happen. And, and, you know, as the saying goes, right, like, yeah, sure, anything can happen in life. Um, but, yeah, so when you think about it, there really isn't any real excuse to not talk about these issues. Um, but yet we feel inadequately prepared to discuss it. But now that we've done some reflecting, 
um, we want to hold a conversation kind of to unpack all of this. You know, why is this important? What does this mean for the Asian community, uh, for surrounding communities as well? You know, issues around accountability. Uh, what can we do as Asian women and people to help put an end to this outrageous blasphemy? Um, you know, the little ways and the big ways in which we can help and why solidarity with the BIPOC, BIPOC communities uh, is crucial. Yeah. And, and for those who are not familiar with BIPOC, it's Black Indigenous Persons of Color. Okay, so let's talk first about one of the significance of what is happening. Um, obviously, racism is still very much prevalent in both the American and Canadian context. Um, and we want to take a closer look at the Canadian context. There is an article by the Globe and Mail published in September of 2020. It reported that more than 600 incidents of hate targeting Asians within Canada since the pandemic began. And one in three of those attacks have been assaults. In fact, Canada has a higher number of anti-Asian racism reports per capita than the United States. Women continue to be disproportionately impacted, making up 60% of all reported incidents. Verbal harassment, including name-calling, racial slurs, threats, swearing, is the most common type of discrimination, and it's included in 65% of all reports. So not only has racism always been there, it has now escalated. Um, this means we are not just fighting against an historical anti-Asian racism, but also racism stemming from the ways COVID-19 has been racialized. Mm -hmm. um, and this brings me to the second significance. It shows how much we still need to work together with other communities to, um, to work against racism. Um, and I think for many people, this may seem like a far-fetched thing and um, a rather difficult task to work together. But I think if we look to history, we can really see that there has been solidarity. Um, and I do apologize for using um, examples from an American context, but they are extreme enough so that we can see the point that I'm trying to make. Um, so in the 1900s, the Black community in the U.S. opposed the Philippine-American War. Many Black leaders, and even in the media, they supported Filipino independence uh, black soldiers saw that the racism faced by Filipinos were similar to the treatment of Black people in the U.S. And so many of them actually ended up defecting or, you know, joining the opposition um, and fighting, fighting against the U.S. in that respect. The Vietnam War is another great example. Black Americans strongly opposed the Vietnam War and against the murdering of Asian people overseas. Um, so this is not to say that Asian Americans have experienced the same oppression as Black Americans throughout his U.S. history, but it is to say that racial oppression manifests itself in different but yet very similar ways. So, you know, the struggles that we all have is, is intertwined, right, in, in a lot of ways. Um, Dr. Kiona of the Asian Black Solidarity Movements for Liberation she says that the struggles may not be the same, but it operates under the same system of oppression. And change is rooted in global solidarity, and all of our collective liberation is tied to each other. 
Um, so that's a very powerful statement. What do you think that means, like in your way of interpreting it? Um, I think that we have to work together. This is the underlying message. Like there's no if or what ifs, like we just have to work together. There's really no other way. Yeah, I can see that. And how when she says like changes is rooted in global solidarity and that our collective liberation is tied to each other. So like, even though, you know, one particular group or community like the black community or the Latinx community is being oppressed or even the Asian community is being oppressed, it just means that everyone on earth is also um, in that same boat, even if they don't feel like they are, they really are. I agree. Kind of like COVID, right? Like you can't really get rid of COVID-19 until like, you can't just say like, you know, in North America, once we get all our vaccines and everyone's good and like safe, though, if we don't support uh, like developing countries um, in Africa or in Asia, if we can't give those, you know, help with those uh, countries and their vaccines, then, you know, COVID will still be around and we're also going to be able to, you know, be um, like not immune to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, we are all intertwined and connected in more ways than we were taught in the classroom. Looking at history, it clearly shows that we have the capability to work together and we can continue looking to history for guidance. But um, I'm gonna stop talking about history and just looking to the present, um, we can see changes taking place. I don't know if you've heard Cindy, but there was a unity rally um, in Oakland, February 13. Uh, and it, it was just Black and Asian communities coming together to rally and to show that there's concrete solidarity in these two communities. And that, that was something that was really powerful. Uh, and I'm glad that the news, news outlets covered this story. Like their goal was to condemn violence and racism and basically coming together to heal, to listen to each other's stories, and to find community-centered solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where, that's a good start. You can start at, you know, a very micro level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that, <clears throat> like, this unity rally in Oakland is happening in February, together with, like, all these other hate crimes that are happening in this month. It's just like it's coinciding with Black History Month. I can't help but think that, you know, there's probably a sign or something to show that, well, you know, this is the month that we should be recognizing solidarity is important. You know, what better time to to work together than now? Now. Yeah. Right. The time is now. That is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this brings us to um, Black History Month, which is February. And um, for those who, you know, like I didn't know much about it until we had to do some more digging for this particular entry, but um, you know that Black History Month is about honoring the vast contributions that Black people have made um, in Canada and uh, are continuing to make throughout all of the different industries and areas of society. Uh, It's also about the month, you know, it's about celebrating resilience and innovation and the determination to work towards a more inclusive and diverse uh, Canada where everyone has the opportunity to thrive. And each year, um, which I didn't know before, but until now, um, there are different themes for Black History Month. 
So this year's theme is called uh, The Future Is Now. To acknowledge and um, celebrate the revolutionary work that Black Canadian uh, communities, youths, essential healthcare workers, and many other uh, people are doing right now to build a future, uh, a better future for all. And, you know, this month we're really, we're trying to remind ourselves that we stand on the, the shoulder of giants and that we have to continue our efforts in solidarity with Black Canadians to combat systemic anti-Black and BIPOC racism. So, you know, rallies is one form of activism and protesting is another. Um, I have to admit, though, I have never gone to protest or a rally supporting causes and I'm not proud of it um I've always I've always imagined myself going anytime I hear about it I get an announcement or something seeing friends go and show it on social media and I used to think that well why you know I, I should be joining I should be going like I've done different things but just not protesting or rallying but you know there are reasons why I don't go and you know I, I, I can get into that in a second but what about you Cindy like have you attended any protests or rallies I have not although I'm very uh, cognizant of them when they appear uh, you know you see posts on social media uh, and on the news as well when they film the entire you know the people at the protests uh, but I have not, and honestly, I, I, I've never felt compelled to go, although I, you know, respect their people's choices to want to go and be present at these protests to fight for causes they believe in. Yeah. Uh, but personally, I've not um, been. And I guess, you know, we'll just, maybe like, this is part of the journey of getting to know um, and find different ways to support besides protesting. Mm-hmm. Um in, in, in other ways, um, I mean, obviously not even like pre-pandemic when, you know, protesting was a little bit uh, quote unquote safer, but yeah, now... that's, that's actually another reason why I didn't, I chose not to go. It was because of the pandemic. The government was encouraged everybody to stay home. And I just felt like, well, yeah, it's just like not as uh, the, the safety is definitely concerned when there is, you know, a pandemic going on, but um, even besides that. I, I was just never one for large crowds. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, each to their own. I'm not gonna, mm. like, either. I know I've, I've heard of, you know, people like being vilified for not attending protests because, you know, if you don't attend a protest, then you're not supporting the cause. Or if you don't, you know, do X, Y, Z, then therefore you're not supporting the cause. But it's not as black and white as people make it out to be. And a lot of people are just still on this journey, including myself, of just getting to, to understand the entire scope of the discrimination that's going on yeah like you have an idea but you don't really know exactly um there's definitely more to it there's so many layers to it and i think that just understanding some layers is is progress and if you just choose to continue learning about it educating yourself about it like that's a step towards something because it then it affects like your daily decisions it's true and you know speaking of which um, how can we show support for one another, you know? Well, I actually found an article online. It's by bustle.com and um, it's titled 21 Ways to Support Black Lives Matter If You Can't Protest. 
Um, now, this can apply to any cause, doesn't have to be just Black Lives Matter, but, you know, in general, if you can't protest, then there are other ways that you can support a cause. Number one they have on here is listen to the people, people whose lives are at stake. Um, this doesn't mean expecting people to explain their trauma to you or to educate you on racism. It just means listening to activists, uh, means listening to your friends, your coworkers, when they tell you about their experiences and validating it and trying not to compare their lives to yours. Um, and that can be hard, but what you can do is just checking in with yourself like, how do you feel about that when you listen to those stories? Yeah, and I'm sure when you listen to these, like, when you listen to these stories and these lived experiences, you might feel a trickle, a trickle of a, a bias coming to, you know, coming to mind. And to be aware of that unconscious bias is also a step forward. Um, What's that unconscious bias? I guess, like, for example... Um, it's a psychological phenomenon with like confirmation bias, where it's almost like it's a tendency to look for uh, or favor and use kind of information that confirms what you already believe. So, you know, the other side of this is that like, you know, people tend to ignore new information that goes against what they already kind of believe, and it leads them to make poor decisions. Or, you know, it reaffirms these, you know, stereotypes or um, racist thoughts that they may have. You know, like, for example, at a protest for Black Lives Matter, for example, and if, you know, you see someone in the news saying like, oh, you know, the protesters are being very violent um, and they happen to be a person of color, then this information, if you already have a preconceived notion that, you know, people who are Black are violent, then when they see that kind of thing on the news, the protesters, you know, being violent, they're just, it's only going to reaffirm and confirm what their bias is. Um, so when you know something like that happens you should really stop and think before um, just kind of going into automatic mode yeah and you know just call people out too when they're being racist don't be afraid to let them know that they're in the wrong so I mean oftentimes people will just let other people get away with racist jokes you know they'll just shrug it off and thinking that oh it's probably just a joke that they're making but it, it goes a long way continues to perpetuate racism through just daily regular routine things that people say and do that's a good point yeah it, it may, may not always be sort of uh, you know rooted in the system I mean it is partially but um, part of that is also just the day-to-day experiences like you're mentioning you know comments um, that people slide and slip in here and there and I, I'm sure like most of the time for the most part on the whole, being a positive, on the you know positive outlook, that people don't generally have bad intentions when they you know say these things. But you know, at the root of it all, even if you think it's funny, there is um, the notion there is a, a like I guess a harmful element to it mm-hmm. if you continue to um, say those um, yes racist remarks, yeah. quote unquote funny racist jokes. And remember, it's like fire; it catches on. Mm-hmm. like especially amongst younger people and the younger generation nowadays like if you if we just turn back to the headlines that we were reading out earlier majority of the people committing these crimes these hate crimes are teenagers really you're right yeah. they are younger folks so it's like 
what is happening here? I mean, they're obviously learning it from, from somebody, you know, people that they obviously, they might not obviously, but people that they might look up to. I would think that like, I don't know, maybe it's naive of me, naive of me to think that like the younger generation will be better off and um, not, uh, I guess, less racist or that racism eventually is going to, you know, wane out and dissipate with the coming generations as like uh, they're more at least you know in North America with since we're so exposed with to so many different cultures um, that it'll eventually dissipate because you know younger kids will just grow up with much more diversity in their schools um, so that you know it, it becomes kind of common and they're not it's not us versus them kind of thing yeah so it becomes more common versus like uh, folks who were let's say born in like the you know 70s and 80s um, who, when they came to North America, they were like, you know, a very obvious minority in their schools. Yeah. But now with interracial relationships and just, you know, more exposure to different cultures mm-hmm. in, at school and around in the city, living in the city, that hopefully with racism, it'll, it'll you know, slowly go away. But I don't know, with all these things coming to light, I know. like it's hard to believe that that, that might still happen. It's overwhelming, that, isn't it? Like, like my younger cousins, I wouldn't think that this is something that they would think about. Like they would just see any other person as any other person mm-hmm. um, and not really seeing quote unquote color on, on different people. But, uh, and I would say it might be a little bit different for let's say the older generations to right. think that way. But I don't know, I guess we'll have to see. We, I mean, we have to set the example for them. Yeah. And on the, um, you know, speaking to your family or under close friends about, about race, I mean, it's very, you know, often hard and they're very uncomfortable types of conversations. Definitely, it's not no, no dinner table conversation type of thing. But I feel like if you approach it with, you know, empathy and kindness, that the other person is more likely to want to hear you out versus, you know, approaching to, to try to convert them or persuade them. They'll, a little, they'll be a little bit more willing to to hear you out and rather than you know help, just to help them show their blind spots you know make them think about why they said that particular racist comment when you bring it like you know bring it to light and and make, maybe give an example like oh if you know this person was of let's say the same race quote unquote as you and they did the same action as the other person of a different race how would you, would you think that, you know, what would you think of that person? Would you think the same thing? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, probably not. And um, just a word on that too. I think that like when you say directly to people, hey, you're being racist. Hey, you need to stop that. I feel like those statements are sometimes not as effective just because like it, it, it'll make the person feel attacked and then they'll just defend themselves and then they'll just stick to their convictions. And then it makes it that much harder to help them see the wrongness of what they're doing. So yeah, just be careful, I guess, with how you approach it. Just approach it with empathy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because most people, I'm sure, are not with the intention of trying, with malice or anything like that. They just really aren't aware. And if if you can help them bring that to light, then it's already one step forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that brings us to a third way to support is to share links and resources. You can just simply show your family members or your friends, um, you know, just maybe a video showing somebody attacking another person from those CCTV cams. Yeah. 
you know, you can yeah. show your family members and friends those types of videos. Obviously from reliable sources, but yeah. yes. Yeah, they're, they're definitely triggering content, you know, to show rather than to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And on top of sharing these types of resources is, you know, supporting um, Black artists, writers, musicians, performers, businesses, owners, entrepreneurs, um, yeah as well in there and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know monetary if you're not in the position to be uh, able to donate but um even as simple as like uh you know simply as you know educating yourself or being aware of following you know a, a particular account on social media and keeping up with the credible accounts of course and when you do share these posts and, or people it's suggested that you don't make it about yourself make it about amplifying black voices. So what that means is that you just have to be mindful of what you're posting. Like you don't have to show violent content. You don't have to post graphic things and making comments or remarks about it, um, showing your reactions to it. Um, But you can just simply post something and write about how people can get involved. So, like, can they donate? Is there a link to to donate? Um, Are there petitions that they can sign? Showing statistics is also a very good idea. And showing reports. And joining in on hashtags is really good, too. Um, Right now, there's a hashtag going around, Stop Asian Racism. I think that's what it is. Stop Asian Hate. Stop Asian Hate. Yeah, that's right. Stop Asian Hate. So that's a really good um, hashtag that you can start using if, you know, if you decide to share resources via your um, social media feeds. A friend of mine, his sister uh, created a, a company, a health and beauty company um, called Coiled. It's an app, actually, a coiled hair app for Black women who um, have a very special need, like particular needs to to take care of their hair. Um, So this app is supposed to help with finding the research and the right types of products um, for Black women's hair. And even though I'm not a Black woman and I don't have the hair like of a Black woman, um, I followed it anyways and shared it with, you know, my friends so that you know exactly maybe they might find it interesting or helpful or they might know someone else that might find it helping helpful or interesting yeah so um i thought it was a really neat concept just in general right like Mm -hmm. it's definitely filling a filling a demand and a gap and and the need there yeah so doing small things like that is helpful as well so i guess like what it really boils down to is i mean we can you can do all of these things right all of these you can donate, you can volunteer, contact your MPs, you can support businesses, protest, protest, uh, rally, you can do all of that. Um, but I think that what it really comes down to is how you treat people from all communities across the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. just be kind when you know something bad happens to you. Um, try not to reach for that easy assumption, right? Try to really take a pause and think, you know, literally a split second to think, wait, no, it's not because they're from this particular culture or ethnicity. Maybe they were just having a bad day. Yeah. And then once you stop yourself from thinking like that, 
like I'm not perfect either, right? I also like find myself jumping to these conclusions and these thoughts and I have to really like, you know, reel myself back and be like, wait, 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 like I can't, no. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I honestly just, you know, we're having a bad day, so. Yeah, exactly. I think that it's easy to blame it on a person's culture and ethnicity, but you know what else is easy to do to just avoid making these assumptions? Like, honestly, if you think about it, you're stressing yourself out even more by thinking about it and putting it into words, keeping it in your mind. But I know that's just the fairy tale version of it. I can see some people rolling their eyes at me. Well, the reason why there's racism and discrimination and um, oppression is because people in power want to protect the status quo. There's that struggle for power. Going back to what we said earlier, there's just so many layers and we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. There are fundamentals, but there are also complex layers. But that's a whole other topic, and I don't think that that should dissuade us from continuing to doing things on an individual level and also as a collective um, to work towards um, a greater goal. Yes. At the end of the day, when you see someone cross the line you do, and, and they're doing something wrong, you know, whether that's shouting or harassing or assaulting another human being, regardless of where they're from, speak up and do something about it there and then because that's what it matters the most you have to be an example for others around you and especially for the next generation and generations to come yes so if you you know see an elderly person getting pushed down help them up mm-hmm. call 911 report it don't be another and, bystander yeah that's right mm-hmm. and if you don't feel safe like definitely there are will be other people around you that will come to to help yes it all it takes is one person to start that and then others will around will will come come towards and help as well yeah your vibe will attract your tribe oh i've never heard of that before i like that i mean it's been used in like other light-hearted contexts but i think that you know it's applicable here too if you think about it yes but yeah these are like the things that you can do in your just your daily interactions with people to mitigate discrimination even if you are just playing a small role you are being a catalyst in this fight and every bit counts so it's important to um, take up these responsibilities like you may not know it but you are being an impact in somebody else's lives those who are watching you um being that catalyst um but the government has to do something about it as well. We're not just saying that as people, we have the responsibility to bear all of it. But, you know, there has to be policies in place to tackle the issues. And there actually has been people calling on the federal government to include an anti-racism strategy post-pandemic. Because, you know, COVID-19 is being racialized and... There needs to be something that has to be in place to fight it. The justice system needs to recognize that hatred is something that is festering in our communities and that they need to confront these hate crimes. Um, And by that, I mean hate crimes should be aggressively investigated by the police uh, anytime that it comes up, um, regardless of what the community is being targeted for and what kind of crimes that are taking place um the police needs to work harder and to bring to bring justice the victims on that note 
it's, um, I don't know, sometimes I'm in this regard, I'm a little bit more pessimistic because who knows how long that's going to take until policies, the right policies are implemented. And I'm sure there's some already out there, but, you know, continuing that work, it's, it's going to take time in the government, especially when, you know, the government consists of a lot of um, white folks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those are the people that have they're the decision makers. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, you know, when they're making, I, I hope that when they come to these, making these policies and decisions, and I'm sure, you know, the, the government is doing, in doing that, um, or in the process of doing that to bring aboard people from different perspectives and different views so that they can get their viewpoints. Cause it's, it's kind of ironic if you're saying I'm going to do and do this X, Y, Z and help this X, Y, Z community, but not actually bring in their voices to the table. Yeah and actually have their perspective laid out so that you can really uh, cover everything. Mm-hmm. That's something that the government should look into as well. Diversifying voices in politics. Mm-hmm. I think this is where it just comes into like where rep- like representation matters. Yeah, representation is very important. Part of the reason why for like me wanting to get involved in like starting a podcast is um, listening to the ABG women start, like, listen to their podcasts, and it made me feel like, oh, you know what? Like, they're great. They're great at what they do. And they're kind of like, I, you know, I'm kind of like them. So I feel like I can also maybe do something like this. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the scale of it quite yet, but yeah, they definitely inspired me to be like, hey, you know, another Asian woman on this planet who can do this. So otherwise, if I'm, I'm pretty sure if I didn't come across like their podcast, then um, I would have not even thought about even making a, a podcast with you ladies. I agree. Yeah, I was pretty much inspired yeah. by the new um, podcast as well. And um, I'm glad that we can add a Canadian voice into the pool of other Canadian voices. Um, although there isn't a lot right now, especially coming from Canadian women, Canadian Asian women. So maybe this will lend an additional perspective into um, issues surrounding racism and discrimination. Okay, so that is pretty much the end of our um, discussion on this topic. And I have to say, Cindy, I feel like we've tried our best to tackle the issues uh, and to talk about it. Um, And I know we didn't get so, so deep into um, each of these points, but you know, we tried our best. And to be honest with you, at the beginning, I, I did feel anxious about talking about it. Uh, it was, it seemed very daunting, but I'm glad we did it. I'm glad yeah. we, we decided to have this conversation together um, as Asian Canadian women. In support and solidarity with yeah. the Black community and, you know, um, as well as the Indigenous and people of color. Yes. Which I count myself as a person of color. Um, I don't know what the exact definition is, but to me, if you're just not visibly quote unquote white, then you're a person of color. You're in a minority. So, all right. I think it's time to wrap things up. If you did get through this whole episode, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support (laughs) and uh, hearing us out, listening to our perspectives on these issues. We hope that you can start making changes in your life on how to support um, different causes and show solidarity in your own way. Be an ally. Yes, 
and um great yeah, I, don't, I don't want to start to sound too preachy <laughs> yeah yeah i know i don't think you're gonna sound preachy at all like you're just you know it's kind of like saying it you know telling it like it is that's kind of thing so yeah. yeah and like it's not an easy conversation so i'm glad that we had it yeah, someone's able to get through this whole episode and thinking that, hey, you know what, like my friend, when they do this or they say this, I like, I don't know if they realize that there's a, the, 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 the meaning behind it, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we had this, Cindy. Like of all people, I'm really happy that I'm having this conversation with you because I, not a lot of our listeners know, but Cindy and I are like on the same wavelength. Crazy same on the wavelength. Crazy but we, yeah. insane wavelength. And it's funny because Linda, our other co-host, she sees all of this. It's so true because sometimes I remember like, like she would be like, oh my God, you know, Cindy, my sister Cindy, which she would tell me like, she does the same thing or she says the same thing or she has the same thing. And I was like, what? No way. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> See, like, <laughs> that was not planned. Well, on that note, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Or took something away. It's time to lock up the diary. Until the next entry, XO, XO, damn podcasts.